Welcome to Prepare, the Mercy Perinatal podcast dedicated to helping parents prepare for the journey of pregnancy, childbirth, and early parenthood. Mercy Perinatal would like to begin by acknowledging the Wurundjeri Woi Wurrung people, traditional custodians of the land on which we meet today, and also the traditional custodians of the lands on which you're listening from today. And we'd like to pay our respects to their elders past, present, and emerging. We extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples listening today. Welcome back to Prepare. My name's Rangi. I'm an obstetrician. And I am Ali and I'm a midwife. I'm excited for this next topic that we're going to do today. CMV, which is cytomegalovirus. (laughs) Not really a funny topic, but really important. And I think, as we were just saying offline, something that not a lot of people know a great deal about. No, and I will actually admit that I don't know that much about it. Obviously, I understand that it is a viral infection that is quite common in younger children, but it can be quite dangerous during pregnancy because of the risk of congenital CMV, so the virus transferring through your bloodstream, through the placenta and to the baby. Mm. But in terms of screening and ways that you can prevent yourself from contracting CMV, this is all going to be a really update on my knowledge as well. Yeah, that's right. And I think this space is something that has been changing over the past few years and will probably continue to change a fair bit. And we are so lucky to have an expert in the field on as our special guest today. Lisa, who is amazing. Yes. And she's been doing stuff on CMV for quite a while now. Yes, a So long she's time. really the expert in CMV. Yeah. No, I can't think of anyone better to talk about it and inform us on what's up to date in the land of CMV. So we have our amazing guest, Professor Lisa Hoy, back with us, who is a maternal fetal medicine specialist. And she's going to be talking to us today about CMV. So let's jump straight in. What is CMV? Great question. CMV stands for cytomegalovirus, which is probably a word a lot of you haven't heard of. It's actually a virus that's part of the herpes family of viruses. So it's related to the chickenpox virus, cold sore virus and the glandular fever virus. So like those viruses, it's very common and a lot of people can catch it and not have any symptoms. Mm. So you can have it and never know. And the unique thing about all herpes viruses is that it stays in our body for life. So, okay. yeah, it's, it sets up what we call a latent infection and we just carry it with us. Okay, so it's common in young children. Why are we concerned about it in pregnancy? So CMV is actually the most common congenital infection. So that means it's the most common infections that babies are actually born with after acquiring it in the womb. Okay. We think about one in 200 babies are born with congenital CMV. And while the vast majority are going to be completely well and have absolutely no health issues from that infection, a small proportion, maybe up to 10%, will have some long-term consequence the most common of which is hearing loss mm. in early childhood that can be progressive and sometimes learning difficulties, cerebral palsy and other more serious things with their neurodevelopment. It's a really important to know about yeah, and try yeah. and prevent. Yeah, and the reason why we haven't really talked about it or been that aware of it during pregnancy care before is that a lot of the consequences occur much later in childhood when 
you know, obstetricians and midwives stopped looking after these women. Yeah, Yeah. said goodbye to their patients. The other situation where we might come across a woman during pregnancy and we suspect the infection is when we see an unexpected ultrasound finding in the baby and then we might suspect that the baby's already affected by the infection during pregnancy. Mm. And what are some of those ultrasound findings? They can include things like unusual appearance in the brain. So if we see little bright spots that signify calcification in the brain or if the fluid-filled spaces in the brain called the ventricles, if they're bigger than usual, they're two signs that suggest that there might be an underlying condition in the baby. It could be a genetic or chromosome condition, but it also could be an infection like cytomegalovirus. So that would usually prompt a discussion during pregnancy. But as I said, for the most part, we don't have any signs at all. Babies are usually born well, and it's not till years later that there may be some manifestation. Mm. Wow, okay. And you mentioned that it's one of those viruses that once you have, it's sort of in your body forever. How do we know that we've had it? if some of us are asymptomatic? So in Australia, about 60% of women have had it before they get pregnant. Mm -hmm. So we can find out by doing a blood test and checking for antibodies to the the virus. Of the 40% of women who haven't had it before they get pregnant, if they catch it for the first time during early pregnancy, so during the first trimester, that's the situation in which the risk of the infection passing to the baby and causing a complication in the baby's development is the highest. Mm. So that's the kind of specific scenario where potential for harm is the highest. Okay, so if you've had CMV before and it's detected that you've had it, what is the risk in pregnancy then? So the woman's antibodies provide some protection to the baby but not 100% protection okay? because you can get infected a second or third time with uh-huh. CMV with a different strain, just like COVID. Um, <laughs> okay. And also potentially the, the latent infection could become active again. Okay. And so we do know that babies can catch CMV even if the woman's had it before pregnancy. So prior infection doesn't mean complete protection. Okay, but the greatest chance of any type of adverse event would be primary infection, so the first time that you contract CMV during pregnancy. Okay. What are the risks as you go on in pregnancy, so say after that first trimester of getting either a primary or secondary infection? I guess the risk of getting exposure would be the same depending on what your activities are, and we can talk about what they might be. Mm. The risk of it passing to the baby actually goes up with further along in pregnancy, but the chance of it causing a problem for the baby goes down. Mm. So it's really that early stage of brain development in particular where the baby's very vulnerable to the effects of the infection. So really less than 20 weeks, isn't it? Yeah, yep. So you mentioned that often a baby can be exposed to CMV through the mum and that it doesn't cause any effect at all until the baby is older. What kind of things does it actually cause? Most common consequence is hearing loss. Okay. Yep. And that might be mild, it might be in one ear or both. But all babies do have newborn hearing screening in Australia Mm -hmm. now. Mm -hmm. But it won't pick up all cases of hearing loss due to CMV because CMV-related hearing loss can fluctuate, it can develop after the newborn period. So we currently don't screen all babies for CMV. There is a lot of research and a lot of interest in finding out whether that would be a worthwhile thing to do from a public health perspective. But at the moment, because most babies with CMV are completely well, 
it's not part of routine care. Do we screen all women for CMV? No, we don't do that either. So some people have suggested that we should test all women in early pregnancy when they have their first set of blood tests to see if they've been exposed to CMV in the past. There's still a lot of debate around that. It can be useful to know if someone's had CMV before because we know that, you know, the chance of a problem for the baby is much lower if they have had previous infection because then they've got some protective antibodies already in their system. But it's not a complete guarantee against congenital CMV. So we don't want people to get false reassurance from that blood test. And we would still recommend women receive information about how to minimise their chance of being exposed to CMV during pregnancy. Yeah, and I was going to ask that. You mentioned that it's a really common viral infection and it's it is quite contagious and common in young children, which mm. is actually the population of most pregnant people. <laughs> They've got young children themselves or they're exposed to young mm. children. And in particular, if they don't have young children themselves, there might be childcare workers or educators that are exposed. So a lot of women who are high risk of having CMV at some point in their pregnancy, how can you minimise the risk of getting it? Great question. So CMV is transmitted through infected body fluids. So if you think about all the ways you can catch a cold sore virus, so if you are in contact with someone's saliva or body secretions and you touch your own mouth or eyes or nose, then you can catch it. So the reason why young children, particularly children of preschool age, are common sources of infection is because we know they pick up all sorts of viruses with a playgroup and childcare and bring them home and they have no control over their body fluids, <laughs> as we know. <laughs> so it's usually a parent or a carer um, mopping all of that up. So hand hygiene is the most important thing that people can pay attention to, to reducing their chance of catching any sort of virus, including CMV. So saliva, urine and nasal secretions, I guess, are things to be particularly careful about. It doesn't mean you can't cuddle and hug your baby. <laughs> it just means that you should wash your hands mm. afterwards, particularly after wiping a child's nose or changing a nappy. And then avoiding getting a child's saliva into your mouth. So that includes a lot of things that we don't think about, like sharing food yeah. with our toddlers. Because mm. how often they leave something and you just eat it. You just yeah. eat it. I admit I did that. Went too. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You you do do it without thinking. That's right. And that's kind of one of the important health messages we are trying to get out there that if your toddler only eats half the banana, don't finish the rest (laughs) off. (laughs) Or get your partner to finish the rest off for you. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And, you know, we don't want people to feel like they can't kiss and cuddle their child, but maybe don't kiss your toddler on the mouth. Kiss them on the forehead. Also difficult to do. Yep, they might kiss you on the mouth, but like kiss them on the forehead Mm. instead. We don't expect women to be able to kind of adhere to all of this 100% of the time. But if people know about it before they get pregnant, they can make sure that they are particularly careful about these sorts of hygiene behaviours in the first trimester of pregnancy. And then after that, you know, the risk to the unborn babies much lower and mm-hmm. women don't have to tread on eggshells about all of that. <laughs> and things like sharing drink bottles and yeah, utensils yep. and things And, like you know, not putting child's dummy in your mouth, <laughs> that sort of thing. Um, if, if you, if you're Which are all the, all the behaviours that are so common. So yes. common. Yeah. 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 And you do it, as you said, without thinking. Yeah. Yep. And the other thing is if you have tissues, you've wiped your child's nose, make sure you put them in the bin and wash your hands. Don't leave dirty 
tissues or used tissues lying around. So most women are very good about knowing to wash their hands or to use hand sanitizer after changing a nappy. Mm. It's just kind of also thinking about, you know, after wiping a child's nose or and not sharing food that your child's already eaten, that that's kind of a new message, I think. Mm, okay. It's a particular annoyance to me that women, you know, avoid behaviours that are associated with much rarer infections like toxoplasmosis. Pregnant <laughs> women all seem to be terrified of cats and kitty litter. <laughs> toxoplasmosis can, yes, also cause really harmful infections in a baby, but it's very rare in Australia compared to CMV. I guess that is a real reflection of public health messaging, isn't That's it? That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And this, yeah. It's important to raise awareness about such a common yes. condition. Yeah. And then the other thing is women immediately change what they eat as well when they're pregnant because yes. they get lots of advice from all directions about what they can and can't eat during pregnancy. And a lot of that is very sensible because you want to avoid foods that have a high risk of food poisoning yes. conditions like listeria and campylobacter. Mm. What I would love is for women to be just as aware of the recommended primary prevention strategies for cytomegalovirus. So to add to their list of foods to not eat, it's don't eat your toddler's seconds. <laughs> yes. <yeah. laughs> Great suggestion. Yes. Yep, that's um, a good public health message. <laughs> you mentioned before that routine testing is not currently recommended in Australia. Can women request testing? Yes, they can request testing. I think women who have a higher risk of being exposed to CMV, so anyone with a preschool-aged child at home or who spends more than 10 hours a week looking after yep. a preschool-aged child, Child, they would be considered kind of in that category where their risk of exposure is higher. Healthcare workers in general don't have a higher risk of catching CMV because we observe standard precautions. So mm. yep. uh, we wear gloves Masks, if we're gloves. dealing with body fluids. And CMV is not spread through the air. So it's not spread through respiratory droplets like chickenpox is, fortunately. So some women who have a diagnosis of CMV or who know someone who's had CMV are worried about going to visit them. They don't need to worry. They can certainly visit people. They don't need to. Just don't kiss them on the mouth. Yep, don't kiss them <laughs> on the mouth. Maybe don't have unprotected sex with them either. <laughs> you know, a few things to avoid. Yep. Yeah. And you mentioned you know, a pet peeve of yours, and, and rightly so, is that CMV doesn't really have as much exposure compared to some of the other important things that we try and avoid in pregnancy. Why do you think that is and do you think that that's changing? Yeah, I think it's because as obstetricians and midwives, as I mentioned before, we don't really see most of the consequences of congenital CMV infection because mm. it occurs later. So the paediatricians are very aware of congenital CMV. Mm -hmm. We're kind of much earlier in the in the journey in the where, piece, where yeah. it doesn't. it's just not on our radar and that's something we need to change because actually most of the work in prevention actually has to start in early pregnancy. Yeah. So um, there's almost been a disconnect mm. almost between the type of things that paediatricians mm. see that needs to be prevented far earlier before they see it, which is in pregnancy. Yep. Yeah. So interesting. And look, there's another aspect as well. We do get a little bit tired of having to tell pregnant women what they can and can't do. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And there's this a is lot. one more thing that we have yes. to kind of add to that whole long list of things to talk about. Yeah. And certainly some people resent being told, you know, to change the way they interact with their children. And I can yeah. understand that, particularly if it's very important to them. For bonding. For yeah. bonding and, for and bonding. emotional changes, development. Changes those yeah. interactions. Yeah, we're have. asking them to change very intimate behaviours, like yeah. how to kiss their child. That's yes. But also on the other side, I see women who 
have acquired infection in pregnancy or have a child that's affected. And they almost universally say, no one told me yeah. about CMV. I never heard of it before. Yeah. And, in the and I wish I, w- I would have had the opportunity to prevent this happening. That's right. In the grand scheme of things, they probably would prefer to just avoid kissing their toddler on the lips yes. versus have to deal with the consequences. Yep, that's right. And some of the consequences in pregnancy can be quite severe. So, you know, we talked about the childhood consequences like hearing loss, and cerebral palsy and developmental delay. Or in pregnancy, if a child is severely affected, usually as a result of infection in first trimester, it can result in stillbirth um, Mm. and prematurity and quite severe brain injury. So, you know, those women particularly wish that they had the opportunity to prevent that happening to their child. Definitely. Mm. In terms of the long-term consequences in childhood, mostly the hearing loss that you mentioned, We obviously have the newborn hearing screen, but you also said that sometimes this hearing loss can become more apparent later on. Something that a lot of us in the obstetric and midwifery profession don't really know is how could we detect that later on for a child? Well, at the moment, because we're not doing newborn screening for CMV, (laughs) it's probably a lot of opportunities for early detection that we're missing. But if we do know that a child has CMV at birth, they might have been tested because there was some concern with their health at birth or there was a suspicion during pregnancy that their mother had caught the infection during pregnancy, then we would recommend regular audiology follow-up every six months for the first five years of life. Five years. Mm, Wow. Wow. It's a long time. Okay. And what about if people don't know that they've had CMV exposure or that their babies had CMV infection and they have a normal newborn hearing test in the community, you know, as they're developing and and growing as a toddler, how might you suspect that they've had a CMV infection or indicate that they need to get it checked out? Look, we don't want people to start getting paranoid. Yeah. yeah, Holding their child off. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. And you can't retrospectively make a diagnosis of general CMV. So you need to have a test from a sample collected from the baby within the first three weeks of life. Oh, okay. So there has been a research study on children with cerebral palsy and it showed that almost one in 10 Australian children with cerebral palsy have evidence of congenital CMV when they've gone back and checked their Guthrie tests from their newborn heel prick test. Okay. So we do know that it is a significant cause of cerebral palsy and one of the few preventable causes of cerebral palsy. So if they're doing a heel prick test and they can detect it from that, why can't they include CMV in the heel prick test? There is a big research study kind of underway in Victoria on newborn screening for CMV and that research study led by Dr Valerie Sung at the Murdoch Children's Research Institute is aiming to find an affordable point of care test for congenital CMV. So the problem with the current tests is that they're expensive and Mm. it takes a few days to get a result back. So Mm -hmm. it's not really suitable for mass screening and it hasn't been doing the sort of diagnostic tests that we do now, like a sample of saliva or urine from an infant. It's good for making a diagnosis when you think a child has CMV, but it's not really scalable for every single baby in the country. Going back to if you've been identified as a woman that is at high risk for CMV and you would be tested, is that something that's included in your regular antenatal bloods? It depends. So our College of Obstetricians and Gynaecologists don't recommend universal screening. There's no professional society or health authority 
that recommends that every pregnant woman get a blood test. So that's important. So the reason why universal screening isn't recommended is because there isn't a good intervention to Mm. prevent infection. It's not like you can give someone a vaccine. No, there's no vaccine available yet. So if you were detected to have CMV, the exact same precautions would be put in play? Like, yeah. So we would still recommend women follow hygiene precautions, yeah. even if they've had evidence of prior infection and, mm-hmm. and some existing immunity, because as I said, you can get infected for a second or third time with yes. CMV. Um, there is some newer information coming out on potential antiviral therapies that can prevent the infection passing from the mother to the baby if we have confirmation that the mother's caught the infection during pregnancy. Mm-hmm. And the sort of symptoms women might have, they're very nonspecific. It's like having the flu. That's why it's very difficult, yeah, difficult. to make the diagnosis. So fever, swollen lymph glands, um, malaise, you know, extreme fatigue. Welcome to pregnancy. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> well, so welcome to having a toddler yes. as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So there's no easy solution, but I do think, you know, the hygiene and primary prevention measures, that that's pretty straightforward and should be information that everyone gets. And then the role of blood test screening in pregnancy really still yet to be kind of determined for our population. And we're doing research on that now to kind of work out whether this might be a useful intervention to offer or not. Really exciting that there's potentially research into point of care testing. Yes, so watch this space as well. Mm. And there's also a mRNA vaccine trial that's oh, yes. wow. I was running. Going to say that because obviously the health implications of CMV or congenital CMV are quite severe. So is there vaccine development? Yes, there's been many years of attempted vaccine development, but CMV is a pretty tricky virus. It's mm. good at evading our immune response and changing. And the current vaccine trial which is being run around the world in centres, including Melbourne, is the first mRNA vaccine trial. So now that we've been through a pandemic, people are a little bit more familiar with the idea yes. of an mRNA vaccine mm. and we'll wait to see what the results of that show. Are they still Exciting. recruiting for that? They've just closed in oh. Melbourne. Oh, yeah. okay. Exciting. Mm. They weren't recruiting pregnant women, but they were recruiting non-pregnant women of reproductive age. So Still um, see. relevant population. Yep, yes. absolutely. Yep. Lisa, I have a great question that I didn't think of. Sarah, our producer, actually mentioned to me that there is the idea of things such as chickenpox parties where everybody goes and gets chickenpox, which is something we do not recommend, by the way. Yes, it's but this something could be, that used to happen a lot. This could be a question that is that somebody's thought of. Is there any thought around women that are not pregnant yet going and contracting CMV? <laughs> Intentionally. <laughs> Intentionally. So then when they become pregnant, they've already had the primary infection? Hmm. I think it's a little bit hard to know how you would go about doing that. Because unlike, <laughs> unlike chicken oh, pox. Because yes. it's bodily fluids. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Unlike chicken pox, which Obvious. is very symptomatic because yeah. you have a child that's sort of broken out in a very typical rash and it's transmitted through airborne droplets, so you only have to be in the same room and kind of <laughs> hang around the kid to get it. CMV is usually asymptomatic or it's just got symptoms like the common cold. Okay. And you need to be really up close and personal. <laughs> or we could just finish <laughs> off everybody's banana. Like, yeah. It's like, give me that yeah, leftover have- food. <laughs> give me those bodily fluids. Yeah, you could yeah, you could just pass a banana around the back. Right. But <laughs> you know, we still don't recommend that either. No, I don't think it's something we'd recommend, is no, it? No, no. 
But but uh, that is important to actually explain that it usually doesn't have major health consequences for an adult, a healthy adult with an immune system to catch CMV. Mm. So very rarely it can cause, you know, an anemia or low platelets or abnormal liver function in an adult, but the vast majority don't have any symptoms. Don't even know. Or it's like a mild glandular fever type mm. illness. So would you recommend if you're pregnant and you get any of those symptoms like swollen lymph glands, a fever, cold-like symptoms, which happen a lot, particularly in winter months, particularly if you've got a young child, would you recommend people get tested for CMV every time that happens? Look, I don't, I don't think my GPs are going to thank me if I say yes because they'll have everyone with a cold coming to get tested. I think if you have a good going viral illness mm. in pregnancy, yes, I think you should go and seek medical attention and get tested for a range of different causes, not just CMV. Yeah. But it's important to remember, as we said, that the main risks to the baby are with infection in first trimester. So even though a woman might be diagnosed with CMV infection, you know, at 30 weeks gestation, the implications for their baby's much lower. Yeah. Yeah. Important to know. So it's really interesting that you mentioned things such as listeria that a lot of women are really knowledgeable about or get told about, but CMV is something that is not frequently mentioned. How did you kind of get interested in CMV? Well, my interest really came about because I kept seeing patients who were referred to our perinatal infectious diseases clinic at the Mercy with suspected CMV infection. And a lot of these women had never heard of it before. And were wondering why no one had actually told them about it. And they were being referred to us because they'd either had a blood test that they didn't even know that they were having done, okay. testing for this infection. And that's how my interest arose because I kept seeing patients referred to me and it was very clear that most of them had not received any information about CMV in the past or information about how to reduce their chance of catching CMV. And as a maternal fetal medicine specialist, I see the really serious end of the consequences mm. in terms of fetal development, growth restriction, stillbirth, abnormalities in fetal brain development. So we see that end of the spectrum where unfortunately it's too late to do anything to help prevent the consequences. Especially when the prevention is something relatively simple mm -hmm. that has such dire consequences for not taking those interventions or not yeah. taking those precautions. So super interesting that you've actually saw a clinical need for that. Yeah. And it's a really tricky area for obstetricians and fetal medicine specialists to deal with because it is a complicated and tricky kind of entity. It's hard to give people diagnostic certainty and prognostic certainty if we make the diagnosis in their baby because some babies might have the infection and still be completely healthy and unaffected as children, while others might have really serious consequences. Well, thank you so much, Lisa. That was so informative and I think such an important but, as you said, overlooked topic for most pregnant women and families. And we've discussed CMV, what it is, who's at risk, which is almost everyone. <laughs> how to prevent and it. And how to prevent it. Um, and we've discussed some of the important things that it, it causes, so why we care about it. And as you also mentioned, really exciting research into how we can make it better for people. So be exciting to see how that goes. But thank you so much again for joining us today. Great. Thank you. And if people want more information about CMV, CMV Australia is a really great organisation that advocates for 
greater awareness education and research in this area. So they've got really good plain language information statements on there about congenital CMV and links to other resources. Great. We'll put that website in our show notes. Yep. Great. Amazing. Thank you so much, Lisa. That was amazing. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Everyone's pregnancy is unique. The information provided in this podcast is for educational and general purposes only. It is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice. It is important that you always seek the guidance of your doctor or other qualified health professional with any questions you may have regarding your health, your pregnancy, or any medical conditions.